The craft at Roswell, for instance, you'll, you'll read about, again, exotic things. That, oh, we don't know how this works or what it is. And then they'll have things like gears. Roswell was the crash of a secret plane that we invented. Mm -hmm. If it was a physical object, you would get a sonic boom. You would get a heat friction trail. That's why I say this is not extraterrestrial activity. This is paranormal activity. By the way, I'm going to show you an actual abduction story in just a moment where the man called out to Jesus Christ and what happened next was fascinating. Recently, I posted a video that blew up about aliens and UFOs, why these things cannot be what they appear to be, um, but why the Bible provides a much better explanation as well. And I got to tell you, I didn't initially want to make that video, <laughs> but once I did, I saw the need. A lot of folks are curious about this. They're watching the news, they're seeing what our government has been saying, and they need help thinking through it. Well, today I want to spend a little more time on why I said in the previous video that UFOs cannot be alien beings from another galaxy. I want to show you in this video a 2,000-year-old UFO sighting that you've probably never heard of before. And I want to show you a real abduction case that I think is compelling support for what Christians have been saying all along is really going on with alleged alien abductions. Uh, by the way, my name is Nate. If you are brand new to the channel, welcome. This is Wise Disciple. We're helping you become the effective Christian that you were meant to be. Make sure to check out the, uh, the merch shop where you can get very cool shirts like this. Ah, yeah. Uh, wink and a nod to those of you that catch the reference on the shirt. But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and jump right in. Are they real? Now, the problem in this area, if you research it at all, is there's so much information that's uncorroborated, unreliable, deliberate hoaxes, there's also substantial budgets, apparently, for disinformation in this area, both pro and con. On the other hand, when you strip away all of that, you discover there. By the way, this is Chuck Missler. Chuck Missler is a Christian, and what I thought would be helpful is to have some brothers come and help me have this conversation. So I found this video on, uh, it's Bible on a Bicycle. I believe it's connected to Michael Heiser in some sense, but we're having on with us Michael Heiser, uh, Hugh Ross and Chuck Missler, and they are sharing some of the fruits of their own investigations in this area. So Chuck Missler is talking, and he's talking about disinformation. Again, not sure what that's referring to, uh, but I do know some of the operating theories that Michael Heiser had, and I think he was right in his conclusions based on his own research. Okay, one of those theories is that the UFO crash in Roswell was, get ready for this, not an alien craft at all but a secret government aircraft that was part of what's called Operation Overcast or Operation Paperclip. Now we can look in hindsight and we know again that some of the things that they were working on. We know the processes that they were using to do this. And these things show up in the majestic documents and some also very human technologies. The craft at Roswell, for instance, You'll, you'll read about, again, exotic things. Oh, we don't know how this works or what it is. And then they'll have things like gears. Okay. You know, right? So the problem is, and he's talking about Roswell. The problem is if we're dealing with exotic alien material that is super advanced, why do parts of this ship still look like it was made at Ford Motor Company in Michigan? You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Either it's alien technology or it's machinery that the United States had not seen before because it was created and invented by foreign nations. 
Why would you need a gear in a, in a craft you know, of, of this nature if it was truly something that could travel through space? There are incongruities there. You have Roswell. This is the place where we stored our nuclear bombs. This was an important base. What would the public reaction have been in 1947, right after the war, to find out that at this base we had personnel who had been working on things from Nazi Germany? I mean, that, that would have just caused an uproar. Even if they weren't located specifically there, to learn that we had them in our scientific apparatus, that they had not been prosecuted, that their records had been sanitized, and here they are on our payroll, on the taxpayer payroll, that would have just caused an uproar. It's a very good... And that's Operation Paperclip. Operation Paperclip was a way for our own government to bring in Nazis. Did you know this? Uh, Nazis that had committed war crimes in World War II yeah, had worked on secret technology projects for Hitler. We know all of this because it all came out eventually. I mean, initially it, it came out, journalists broke the story uh, uh, on this uh, project a couple of years after it was initiated. The U.S. government secretly brought Nazis into our country in order to work with our own scientists and create new technologies. That's not a conspiracy, guys. That's history. And based on that operating theory, uh, Roswell was the crash of a secret plane that we invented with the help of technology and scientists from Germany. I mean, you know, Hitler and the Nazis were known to have worked on flying craft that were wingless. And when hundreds of people witnessed the crash and it became huge news, the go-to cover-up story was, oh, UFOs, guys. Aliens from another planet, guys. Why? Well, two reasons. One, because there were previous UFO sightings in the skies leading up to the Roswell crash, and so the government probably just latched on to those other sightings and tried to further that. And two, because there was no way the American public was going to react well to discovering that we had smuggled in Nazis who committed war crimes to help us invent new technologies. So what does this have to do with... Uh, aliens and ufos uh, chuck missler was suggesting that disinformation was key to the confusion surrounding the sightings of ufos in our skies and i just put words to how our own government actively took part in providing disinformation in in furthering this story about aliens from other planets because they were trying to cover up their own secret unethical projects problem with ufos is on the one hand we find them reported by multiple competent witnesses. They plot on radar. They leave tangible evidences on the ground, radiation and burns and other things. They're photographed. On the other hand, they're clocked at speeds of over 6,000 miles per hour without generating sonic booms. They make right angle turns at incredible speeds, which imply that they're free of mass, as we would understand it. Uh -huh. But here's the most disturbing thing of all, Frequent reports indicate they appear to materialize and dematerialize uh, without any other traces. So on the one hand, they're real. On the other hand, they don't seem to be real. Okay, you got that? This is why I said in the previous video, these do not appear to be physical beings. At least if the idea is that these are material beings from another planet flying around in a physical craft, entering our atmosphere... That, that cannot be it. Why? Because physical craft don't exceed the sound barrier without creating a sonic boom. The most recent confirmation of this that I can remember is 
John Ratcliffe, who was an ex-intelligence officer, I think under Trump, uh, he confirmed that the Pentagon has footage of UFOs breaking the sound barrier with no sonic boom. As a matter of fact, some of those uh, videos are, are leaked and they're available on YouTube. And you can see this for yourself. Not only that, but these craft can make absolutely ridiculous turns at speeds that would break apart any other physical craft at the speeds that they're traveling. And yet they remain intact. They're perfectly fine. You don't need to be a Christian to draw the conclusion I'm about to tell you, but these are not physical craft. We are witnessing with our eyes and our technology, non-physical craft that are materializing and dematerializing. Come on. They're coming from another dimension, y'all. Nations do not plot on radar. Bible tells us God created uh, two different species of intelligent life, one that's constrained by the physics of the universe and one that is not. And we're talking about humans that are indeed constrained by the dimensions and laws of physics of the universe and angels who are not. And these angels live in a different dimensional realm, but God has given them the power to come in temporarily into our realm. So I think that's where that 1% residual falls. And I, you know, some of the strongest evidence for that is that where you've got multiple observers tracking a UFO going through the atmosphere, which means we can actually calculate its trajectory and velocity. And the velocities often uh, run between 5 and 25,000 miles per hour. But the observers never record the occurrence of a sonic boom or a heat friction trail uh, behind the UFO. Mm -hmm. If it was a physical object, you would get a sonic boom. You would get a heat friction trail, just like you do uh, when one of the spaceships go through our atmosphere uh, from the uh, International Space Station. However, there are... Hugh Ross, uh, the person who's speaking now, is another voice that I trust in this field. So I'll tell you, there's a great book called Alien Intrusion by Gary Bates. Um, it's probably the, the best book on this subject that I've found, that, that in the best in the, in the sense of it collects a lot of the data on UFOs and alien abduction cases and puts it all in one place. There are a lot of other kinds of resources that also are excellent and uh, f for different reasons. But that book it was a very useful resource for me. But Dr. Ross, as well, has been a great resource. He's an astronomer by trade. He is the head of Reasons to Believe, which is a, a Christian apologetics organization. I've actually had Dr. Ross on the channel before. I've interviewed him. So if you want to go back in the archives and find that. Uh, but they have spent time talking about what aliens and UFOs in the sky really are. So that's another voice that I trust in this area. There are a couple of thousand cases documented where the UFO only goes through our atmosphere, it crashes into the earth. And when you go to the crash site, you see a crater. If there's snow, the snow is melted. The vegetation is consistently damaged. But as you investigate that crater site, there's never any debris, there's no artifacts. If it was a physical craft crashing into the earth, you'd be able to recover some debris and artifacts. But the fact that you see a crater and melted snow and damaged vegetation means that something real caused that. So we're dealing with non-physical reality or what the French astrophysicist Jacques Vallée referred to. He says, we're dealing with interdimensional phenomena. I mean, he's not a believer, but that was his conclusion. We're dealing with a phenomena that's operating in dimensions different 
uh, than those of the universe. We've known what the answer is to all of this for a very long time. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, then the answer has been in your Bible all along. When we talk about UFO sightings and alien abduction cases, what we're talking about is spiritual activity. We've just been fed a bunch of nonsense about the explanation for this activity. Again, I mean, it blows my mind because we, we used to know these things as a society. But as Christianity continues to become more of an afterthought in today's culture, so does the biblical explanation for what we're all seeing in the skies. By the way, did you know that when Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70 by Rome, that there were all kinds of spiritual activity in the sky? Did you know that? Take a look at this. Uh, Josephus was a Jewish historian. Uh, he survived the destruction of Jerusalem by Rome. And this is what he said happened leading up to the event of the destruction of Jerusalem. I'm going to read a quote here. While they did not attend nor give credit to the signs that were so evident and did so plainly foretell their future desolation, but like men infatuated without either eyes to see or things to consider, did not regard the denunciations that God made to them. Thus, here it is, there was a star resembling a sword which stood over the city of Jerusalem and a comet that continued a whole year. Thus also before the Jews' rebellion, and before those commotions which preceded the war, when the people were come in great crowds to the Feast of Unleavened Bread on the eighth day of the month, Xanthicus, which is Nisan, and at the ninth hour of the night, so great a light shone round the altar and the holy house that it appeared to be bright daytime, which lasted for a half an hour. This light seemed to be a good sign to the unskillful, but was so interpreted by the sacred scribes as to portend those events that followed immediately upon it. This is in Josephus' book called The Wars of the Jews. He's writing about the period of time directly leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem, and he records some very strange, odd sightings in the skies. There's a great light shining out of the sky, making it look like it's daytime. Here's something else. Check this out. Besides these, a few days after that feast, on the one and twentieth day of the month uh, Artemisius, a certain prodigious and incredible phenomenon appeared. I suppose the account of it would seem to be a fable, were it not related by those that saw it, and were not the events that followed it of so considerable a nature as to deserve such signals. For before, here it is, before sunsetting, chariots and troops of soldiers in their armor were seen running about among the clouds and surrounding of cities. He said, it seems like I'm making this all up, guys, but this was related by multiple eyewitnesses. There were armies in the sky running up and down the clouds. And we know what happened next because we know our history. Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed by Rome. That was a hugely significant event. And it apparently was coupled by fantastic sightings of bright lights and horses and chariots running up and down the skies. Now, there is a biblical passage that uh, completely mirrors this event. And I talked about this before. This is where Elisha and his servant are surrounded by the Syrian army. Hey, real quick, I'm so glad that you're watching. But did you know that 68% of you that watch are not subscribed to the channel? Can you believe that? That blew my mind when I saw that. That's amazing. Would you please help me get this video out to more people by liking and subscribing to the channel? I really do appreciate it. And this is what happened next. Look at this, verse 15. 
And when the servant of the man of God, Elisha, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Elisha said, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Hmm? Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of, here it is, horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know what this means. It means that the spiritual forces that are in the unseen realm, as Michael Heiser calls it, are around us all the time, and we never see them. But not only do they have the ability to enter into our realm, to enter into our dimension, we are granted the ability to see them on occasion. Elisha and his servants saw them, and the eyewitnesses that Josephus referenced saw these beings. And I think this is what we're seeing in our skies today. So to ask the question, well, you know, do UFOs and aliens contradict the Bible? No, apparently not, because the Bible has been talking about them since the very beginning. But it doesn't call them aliens. It calls them angels. It calls them the heavenly host. In the 50s and the 60s, there's something that historians would call the contactee movement or the contactee phenomenon. And this is the era when you get lots of stories of people who claim to have seen not only things in the sky that they couldn't identify, again, UFOs, but also claiming to actually have been contacted by the occupants of those flying saucers, those UFOs, hence contact team movement. And what really uh, sort of affected the way Christians uh, thought about the whole UFO, the whole uh, alien question in regard to the 50s and the 60s and the contact team movement was the messaging. The contactees, you know, were supposedly told by extraterrestrials that, you know, Jesus was one of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Lots of Christian ideas were hijacked and sort of reformulated into space talk. Uh, lots of new age kind of thinking. At least that's the way we would term it today. And that really turned. A you got to ask to what end? You get, you got to think. What's the point of these beings from the unseen realm disguising themselves as aliens from another galaxy? And telling us that, well, Jesus is just another alien. That they are the ones who actually created life on Earth. That they are going to solve the world's problems and bring utopia to the planet. To what end would these beings do this? And the answer is right there in 2 Corinthians 4, guys. The playbook has been there the whole entire time. Take a look at this. 2 Corinthians uh, 4, verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from, here's the goal, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We are in the middle of a spiritual war, and I think a lot of you know that. But make no mistake, this war is waged on the battlefield of the mind. That's why the Apostle Paul says later in 2 Corinthians 10, right, just a couple chapters later, when we Christians wage this war, we're destroying arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God. If these beings are coming with lies about the origins of the universe and lies about Jesus and lies about the gospel, then we fight back with the gospel. Amen? A lot of people off toward the idea of there being other worlds and extraterrestrial life. It's simply not possible for a physical craft to travel through interstellar space least not a craft of significant small size. I mean, for example, 
astronomers are interested in sending spaceships to the nearest planet outside of our solar system, it's only 4.2 light years away. But they realize as these spaceships travel through space, they'll encounter electrons, protons, helium nuclei, tiny beats, tiny pieces of dust. And this will destroy the craft, and the greater the size of the craft, the greater the destruction. But there's no way you're going to send a termite across interstellar space, or even a microbe, let alone something the size of a human being. And so the idea that these things in hangars in different places, no, it's way too small uh, to bring beings across interstellar space. So you might be thinking, well, what's the point of this video, Nate, right? You already talked about this in the last one. And that's true. I said all of this already. But I want you to hear the arguments for yourself. Uh, I want you to hear the reasoning. I, I, I was answering a question in a Q&A, and I was just riffing, okay? And I was uh, going very broadly over a, a large swath of pieces there to answer the question. I did not provide much detail. But I want you to hear for yourself why I said what I said. So if you want to track the arguments, right? I mean, this is how it goes. We don't start with saying, oh, well, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about aliens, therefore aliens don't exist. That's not the reasoning. The reasoning is these sightings are of craft that appear to defy the laws of physics. They must be non-physical then. It is impossible for beings to travel as far as they need to from another galaxy to get to our planet. They must be coming from another dimension. You tracking this? By the way, Jacques Vallée, not a Christian, but he follows that reasoning and concludes all the same things, guys. So then we can take it further and we can say, well, wait a second. As Christians, we have a worldview that provides explanation for these sightings and for these beings. But they're not aliens from another planet. They're spiritual beings entering our dimension. A lot of them, presumably with ill intent. Don't forget who our warfare is with. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, with ranks of angels. But we have a scientific, testable model for this UFO phenomena, because what you notice in these close encounters it's exclusively experienced by people who have significant involvement in the occult. And when you remove that occult factor, that's the end of the UFO encounters. Increase. Did you catch that? I hope you caught the significance of that. If you take away the occult and those who engage the occult, and even those who practice the occult, if you remove that factor, then you take away all the UFO encounters altogether. Now, Ross isn't talking about seeing something in the skies. He's, he's talking specifically about alien abduction cases. It's a degree of occult. You increase the frequency of these UFO encounters. You notice there's a much higher incidence of these close encounters in nations where there's a high incidence of occult involvement. Examples would be France, uh, Equatorial Brazil. Close all the doors to occult involvement in your life and the life of your close relatives. That'll be the end of your UFO encounters. My thinking is those are two actually different and competing things. The question of whether there could be aliens, whether there could be extraterrestrials, is a lot different than asking the question, hey, these stories about contact and these stories about abduction 
or those aliens or something else. They're actually two distinct arenas. In fact, if you actually talk to people who are not Christians, they could be atheists or anything else, uh, but they're into UFO research, a lot of those people don't want anything to do with the contactee movement or the alien abduction movement. For the same reasons, they think it's ridiculous. They think that either people are imagining these things or inventing them. Some so that's interesting. I, I've actually not heard that one before. UFO sightings. This is what Heiser is saying. UFO sightings and alien abduction cases are two separate things. And a lot of folks who study UFO sightings, they want nothing to do with those who believe that they have been abducted by aliens. They find no credibility in those stories. We'll, we'll say, well, maybe there are things like demons, and this is what, what's happening here. But this, these are not aliens. These are not extraterrestrials. We should not mix these things up. But unfortunately, those things do get mixed. What do I do about that? Now, what is your remedy if indeed you find yourself in some kind of bizarre encounter? What do you do? Well, your, your refuge is not in Genesis 6, it's in Ephesians 6. I don't have the time to... By the way, I'm going to show you an actual abduction story in just a moment, where the man called out to Jesus Christ, and what happened next was fascinating. All of that in just a moment. This, but I want to challenge everyone in this room, when you get home, if you can wait that long, do a serious study of Ephesians chapter 6. Find out what the armor of God is. Paul tells you twice, put on the whole armor of God. Not your favorite pieces. The whole armor. Gird yourself with truth. Find out what that means. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Better not be yours. Find out what that means. Have your feet shod with preparation. Now preparation is what you do before the battle, but you're already in the battle. You're on to enemy turf today. You got to do your homework. And what is the shield of faith? When a Roman soldier repaired his shield, it had holes in it. When did he repair it? Not during the battle, beforehand. Does your shield of faith have holes in it? If there's holes in your faith, don't wait for them to be challenged. Identify them and get the answers you need right now. Do your homework. And understand your helmet of salvation. Owning it ain't enough. You need to wear it. And the sword of the Spirit, Word of God. And of course, your heavy artillery is prayer. Amen. And I encourage every one of you to take that seriously. It's so convenient. You and I have a hotline directly to the throne room of the universe. Close the doors, and that will deliver you from these horrifying uh, experiences. Um, and you know, also be careful about who you uh, are in contact with. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, if your father's involved, uh, that could be the demon can work through that. And keep in mind, these fallen angels can take whatever form they choose. They can appear as your dead grandfather. They can appear as a flying saucer. They can appear as a leprechaun. And so that's why it tells us in First John. <laughs> a leprechaun. <laughs> that's got to be. That can't be in the United States. That, that, that's that's got to be over there in Ireland or something, right? You know, you, you look over, you're like, what is that? I want to know, have you seen me pot of gold? <laughs> Actually, I don't know if that's silly or if that's creepy. Wow, I can't decide. Test the spirits. Don't believe every supernatural being that approaches you. Put them to the test. Hmm. Now again, what I want to focus on and what I try to focus on is, on the one hand, if you're talking about alien abduction, again, whatever people think that is, whatever it, it might be, either real or imaginary, 
That's very obviously sinister. It's very obviously dark because of what happens to people and the way it affects them in their life. If we're talking about ancient astronauts, again, I think the proposition of ancient aliens uh, being the explanation for things like the pyramids and the world's religions, I think it's patently absurd. As a text scholar, when it comes to the Bible especially, again, I can say it's absurd and an abuse of the biblical text. Now, in this video, we have explored uh, why UFOs can't be a physical craft coming from other galaxies. We've also talked about Roswell and Project Paperclip. In other words, we're trying to get to the bottom of what's really going on in the, in the skies. On the other hand, I brought up Josephus and the fact that sightings have been going on for thousands of years, but the appearance of these sightings change, right? Today, they look like triangles and odd shapes. 2,000 years ago, they appeared as chariots and horses and armies. That's why I say, and these Christians say, this is not extraterrestrial activity. This is paranormal activity. This is supernatural in nature. And then we remembered the Bible's explanation for supernatural beings. Now, take a look at a just fantastically crazy story. This is from the book Alien Intrusion by Gary Bates, so I mentioned this. But I want you to listen to this account of an alien abduction that got stopped in its tracks. What follows is the case of Bill D., uh, written and reproduced here courtesy of CE4 Research Group, Incorporated. Bill's experience took place at Christmas in Florida in 1976. His abduction started out typically, i.e. late at night, in bed. Earlier in the evening, he saw some anomalous lights through his living room window over a forest north of his house. He assumed it was a police helicopter searching for drug runners or something. <laughs> Florida. Um, whatever, sorry, anybody's from Florida. Whatever it was, it agitated his dogs for several hours thereafter. He eventually went to bed. He was lying in bed, kept wide awake by the barking dogs, when paralysis set in. One of the common features of classic abduction syndrome is paralysis. He was unable to cry out. He could see nothing but a whitish gray, like a mist or a fog, although he sensed someone or something was in his room. His wife did not waken. The next thing he knew, he was being levitated above his bed, he then had the cessation that he was being suspended by a pole. Uh, by this time, he was alive with terror, but he could not scream. Here is where the story becomes very interesting. And the following is actually an excerpt taken directly from the transcript of Mr. D's interview. This is what he said. I thought I was having a satanic experience, that the devil had gotten a hold of me and was holding me up in the air, so helpless, I could do nothing. So I said, Jesus. Jesus, help me, or Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When I did, there was a feeling or a sound or something that either my words that I thought or the words that I had tried to say or whatever had hurt whatever was holding me up in the air on this pole. And I felt like it was withdrawn and I fell. I hit the bed because it was like I was thrown back in bed. I really can't tell, but when I did, my wife woke up and asked why I was jumping on the bed. Why would aliens who traveled from another planet to allegedly kidnap Bill D get hurt when he cried out the name of Jesus Christ? By the way, this isn't the only story like this. The same research team went on to discover many other stories all the same. When they cried out to Jesus Christ for help, their abductions stopped immediately. Guys, we know what's going on. 
Hugh Ross said it best when he brought up First uh, John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, just the first few verses right here. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. All of us need to face this reality, friends. The world we live in and see all around us is not the only world that exists. There is an unseen realm where supernatural beings exist. And for many of us, that challenges our day-to-day assumptions. Many of us, even Christians, we walk around like we're practical atheists. Sure, on Sunday, we go to church and we acknowledge God in heaven and all of that good stuff. But every other day of the week, we act like none of that is real. I got news for you, friends. We are living in a time where apparently it has been granted to us that even our eyes can see what the Bible has been telling us for thousands of years. Go back to the scriptures. Learn about the unseen realm. Understand the battle going on there. Read Ephesians. Read 1 John. And we'll talk again soon. That's all the time I have for this video. What's your take on UFOs and aliens? Does the Bible give us what we need to understand what we're seeing in our skies? Let me know in the comments below. As always, I have more videos for your consideration coming uh, shortly. But in the meantime, I'll say bye for now.